Welcome to the show. What's up, Love Tribe? Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We have another great episode for you where we talk about how to get in touch with our emotions and communicate them with our partners to establish our needs. And we welcome Dr. Marnie Feuerman, who is a licensed social worker and marriage and family therapist with a private practice counseling those with relationship issues. And seems simple, getting in touch with our emotions. It's not always easy. And Dr. Marnie lays out some great tools and exercises to think about to do just that. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the show. Please check out all the resources, the free resources that we have on our website for you, our 14-Day Happy Couples Challenge, our online course, Spark My Relationship, and our couples retreat that we have in Florida in October. And if you have two minutes, we would really appreciate you telling a friend or loved one about the show. That's how it spreads. Share it with them and leave those five-star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it. We're at almost 800, coming up on 1,000 reviews on iTunes, which is awesome. And uh, we would love to get to 1,000 by, what, end of summer? That yeah, would be that would awesome. be amazing. Cool. So thank you guys for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dr. Marnie. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about how our emotions can tell us our needs. So it seems like a good place to start would be how do we get in touch with our emotions? Um, well, this is a really great topic because I think, especially in relationships, we need we need an understanding of our emotions and how they work, how they function, and then also um, how how they tell us what we need. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe a good place to start is um, is just to kind of go into it broadly. Um, you know, what emotions are and um, and sometimes people confuse emotions and feelings and, you know, and they can kind of be used inter interchangeably in a sense, but um, they're like two, two sides of a coin here. Um, one side is the emotion, which is, which also includes the physical response. Um, and it's, it's hardwired into our brains. It's, it has a big phys that physiological component. Um, and then the other side are our feelings, which are really influenced also just about, uh, you know, other things that we attach to that emotional reaction. So our memories, our experiences, our hopes, desires, different things like that. So that's sort of the lens that our emotions flow through. And um, 
it's very, um, these emotions and these feelings are very subjective because of that. Um, we interpret them differently, you know, based on our past experiences. And so when we can, when we can tap into the, into that, into our emotions and our feelings, um, usually we can connect that to what we, what we need, what we want, what makes us feel good, what makes us feel bad. And then it creates that drive or the behavior. And so if it's, let's say in a, in a relationship, for example, which I'm, I'm assuming is a big piece of why you're asking this. Um, if we know that something hurts us or something makes us angry or upset, uh, we, we want to know, well, what's happening inside us? What triggered us? What is causing us to feel this way? And although we can certainly soothe ourselves, we can calm ourselves, we can regulate our emotions and our feelings. Uh, there's a big piece that helps us in a, in a relationship helps us bond, helps us connect with other people. When you have a partner that you can go to and share what's happening with you and then maybe even say, here's what I need to help me. Here's what will make me feel good or make me feel better. Um, So if we're able to identify our triggers, the needs, what's happening, our thoughts, the feelings around it, and we share it, it creates connection and it also helps us get our needs met through our partners. All right. So this is a great foundation to work off of in a good distinction between our emotions and our feelings. And you mentioned that our emotions are hardwired. And oftentimes we get these responses or maybe our partner says something and it feels like a hardwired emotion that uh, that's anger. Like a trigger? A trigger, yeah, as as we call them. So are these able to change? Do we have to be a victim of, you know, sort of say, of our hardwiring? Well, that's, that's the good news is that we don't. Um, because we know when couples get into distress, um, a big part of what I try to do in my practice and help them do is identify what the trigger was, what it meant to them, what are all the things attached to it? Because we know that sometimes people react very, very strongly when, um, and, and our partners may say, you know, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Why, why is this person reacting so strongly to this thing? It should be minor. Uh, and the reason we react strongly is because it has a lot of deeper meaning for us. Um, it may be something that goes, and often it does go all the way back to our early experiences and what we were taught and told about emotion, how we were made to, to feel, um, how we develop the lens that we see the world and even think about ourselves. Um, so when, when the hardwiring has been adaptive and it's evolutionary because we know that in order to survive as a species, we needed that. So, so it goes rapid fire, right to the brain, um, and we react, we respond. Usually, uh, if it was like an animal being chased in the jungle, uh, they didn't have time to think. They didn't stop and say, oh, an animal's chasing me. Should I go left? Should I go right? You know, the animal just took off and ran. It was just like an adrenaline rush. So if we take something like anger, um, often, you know, that could be fear under the surface. It could be someone saying something to you that 
maybe remind you of something your parents said to you that felt awful or felt horrible or something that didn't make sense to you. Uh, and so when you can connect those dots, when you can start to develop a like the story around what that feeling is that's coming up, and you can start to what we call like organize it, make sense of it, fi- you know, figure all of this out, you're going to more effectively communicate. You're going to communicate with whether it's a partner or, you know, even in um, dating experiences or trying to find a mate or a partner, it's going to help you figure out what you need so that you can, uh, you can communicate much more effectively with somebody and also, again, know what your needs are deep down. It seems like such a basic thing, but it doesn't come naturally. And we're not really, unfortunately, taught this explicitly growing up of how to get in touch with these emotions, to recognize the feeling that's overcoming us and then examine it, try to understand where it comes from. And I like the fact that you broke it down to recognize, organize, and then communicate. Because one of the beautiful things about being in a relationship is if I'm just by myself, I'm not going to make myself angry that much. I'm not going to, I'm not communicating with anyone. (laughs) So, but when, when I have a partner and Sarah says something and I have these emotions that come up and maybe they're, they're negative emotions, I got to, use that as a learning opportunity to learn about myself. Why am I feeling that? And and I say this, I, by no means do I have this figured out, but usually it's a conflict and an argument. And then after the fact, you know, I'm trying to decipher what went down, why I got so angry and, and getting better at all those steps is something always trying to do. But being in relationship allows that reflection back on, to myself of like these feelings and then getting basically establishing a better relationship with myself through this process, not just my partner. Yes, absolutely. You're right. You're going to be limited if it's just, you know, you and your and self-reflection, which we can, we can certainly do. Um, but a lot of the, the strong feelings, a lot of that stuff comes up in a relationship. I mean, that's probably how you're going to get to know yourself best. Like you, like you just said, if you have somebody there to figure this out with and someone who's of course willing to do that. Um, and somebody who wants to understand you. And, um, I love the word attunement, uh, meaning that we're, we really try to attune to our partners, uh, and meaning we sense and we pick up when something's off or when we did something wrong, uh, if we can pick up on, you know, again, other components of the emotion is like the body language and the nonverbal. Usually that's, that's the truth. That's the underlying emotion because I can say, um, no, that didn't bother me. I'm okay. But you know, by looking at my face, looking in my eyes, looking at my posture, that something is off, something isn't right. And then there's an opportunity to reattune and repair. Because we're not going to get this perfectly all the time, and that is perf- that's okay. Um, but if we're not repairing, that's when ongoing damage could be done to a relationship, or we don't know how to repair. We don't know what's you know, we haven't figured that out. Or again, our partners maybe aren't 
effectively communicating it. They're not saying they're not being open. And we will, we're going to want to know why as well. Um, you said something about learning this when you're younger and not everybody does a good job of this. And yeah, that, that's correct. Um, you know, we want to be emotionally, what we call emotionally intelligent. It's great to have parents who are emotionally intelligent because they're the ones really modeling this for us and teaching us and telling us uh, an emotion that you're expressing is acceptable or not acceptable. I mean, we know sometimes we might say with to kids um, when they get angry, we just say, oh, if you want to be angry, go to your room and be angry. You know, go have that temper tantrum away from us somewhere else. That's a very different response than saying, um, what's happening? What got you so angry? Uh, you know, helping them soothe that emotion and figure it out. And uh, again, they, that child is going to start to make sense of their emotional world. Uh, and then that gets carried out uh, on into adulthood and into their choices and relationships and all of that. That's why it is, it's so, so imp- uh, just Im- an important element of um, having a successful relationship is to have a, an understanding of emotion and why you have, why you feel the way you feel and how you express it. So we're talking about emotion in a negative context in relation to like triggers and, and bad feelings. How can we tap into them and discover what our needs are? Because I want to talk about that, but I feel like overlaid over that is like is culture and society and obviously how we are raised and that gives you an idea of what you think you should want, if that makes sense. Whereas if we can <laughs> yeah. if we can pull those layers away and really dig into getting in touch with our emotions so we can figure out what it is we need from our life, from our from our partner. And then I want to ask, so let's talk about that. But then I'm also curious when that need becomes too much. Like why do we need something from someone else to complete us? We're, we're kind of told sometimes that should come with from within. Um. Wow, lots of questions wrapped <laughs> up in that. Um, number one, like, you know, just kind of like what you said in, in the beginning about knowing, tapping into that and knowing what you need and having also those things are definitely influenced by culture, uh, even gender. And we can get a ton of mixed, mixed messages about it. And I think you, you're wanting to balance um, independence, you know, self-reliance, uh, having, tapping into your internal resources to meet your needs along with relationally. Um, but we know we're, when we're born, I mean, we're wired to connect and we're, we are born dependent on somebody to take care of us. Um, so the, um, so what, what we're taught and what we learn along with that and the quality of that care and of that relationship, um, which also leads into, you know, attachment patterns and, uh, you know, how we think that we can even go to somebody or reach for somebody when we need something. But I'd say it, ha- it should be in balance 
because we know sometimes people, they are, you know, they're, they're seen as too needy. It's just too much. Um, and then we have other people who never ask for help, never reach out for other people. They think there's weakness in that. So, but I think somewhere in the middle probably lies, uh, you know, a, a very a safe and secure uh, and a healthy version of that. Uh, but both are both are important. So, I think um, we want to develop self awareness. Certainly, we want to know: Hey, are we? You know, are we in the category where we're too needy? Are we in the category where we're we um, don't ever ask for help and and express ourselves? Um, and that you know, somewhere along those continuum, along that continuum is is like a healthy balance um, where where we can do both, you know, we can feel, we can feel good being independent and going about our life and feeling that we can um, accomplish a lot and have a sense of purpose, but that also we know that there's people we can count on um, and not necessarily even just a romantic partner, but that we have friends, we have family, you know, we maybe don't put all those emotional eggs in one basket, uh, but we know generally that we thrive when we have this social contact uh, and that we know that, you know, even some new, new research that's coming out now about how, what, so, what social isolation does to us. And it's very, uh, it's very unhealthy and it really affects our quality of life. Um, so I think determining, determining those needs is probably just a, um, is going to take some time and exploration. And some people do that through, through therapy. Some people can do that on their own. Some people do that from reading books. Uh, and, you know, where they can develop a lot more of the self-awareness as to, you know, what's important to them and um, what, their, what their goals are, what they hope to achieve, um, how they're going to make these decisions when and where and how they're going to take action. Um, and the emotion is connected to that motivation. So if you don't, if you don't experience that motivation, I mean, that emotion, you're really not motivated to even take action, whether it's, you know, some, usually something positive. I mean, we, we generally, our drive is to uh, avoid pain, you know, uh, and experience happiness and pleasure. And so we, and we want to minimize, you know, we want to minimize the bad stuff. Um, so I think it helps us with, with all of those things. And certainly if somebody, something negative or bad happens to us, uh, we have, we have the resources both internally and also through social support to help us through that we're not, you know, we're not alone in, in doing that either. Um, and so I think sometimes if, if you're inhibited, it's like if something comes up that says, don't reach for help. Don't ask for help. Don't go to somebody to see if you can get empathy or compassion or some type of soothing. Often that's something that's learned very early because we know, like I said, if we're, we're wired to connect, there's something we learned along the way that told us it's either unsafe to do that or there's fear involved in doing that um, or that there's something negative attached to it because that's what we learned. I would like to go back and talk a little bit more about one of Chase's questions that he mentioned at the end. And that was about being responsible for or feeling that you are responsible for your partner's 
happiness because I know that can cause a lot of guilt in the relationship and eventually lead to resentment. And so could you touch a little bit on that and how to prevent that from becoming an issue in the relationship? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. One of the best ways to improve your relationship in your life is talking to a certified therapist or counselor. And now with BetterHelp, you can do it on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. And you'll be able to choose from licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, relationships, sleeping, trauma, grief, and self-esteem. Really whatever it is that you want to work on and get help with. And of course, anything you share is confidential. And with over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states, they will find a therapist that matches with you and that you are happy with. And for some reason, if you are not happy with the counselor that is matched with you, then you can request a change at any time for no additional charge. And best of all, BetterHelp is super affordable. And our listeners today can get 10% off your first month with the discount code I do. So get started today by visiting betterhelp.com slash I do. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by our course, Spark My Relationship. You're listening to the podcast, so you probably want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner. And if you can do it in less than 90 days, even better. We say it all the time on the show, a mediocre relationship is easy, but a passionate, authentic, and satisfying relationship takes work. It doesn't just happen on its own. And that's why Sarah really did all the heavy lifting on this, and you created <laughs> this course with the therapist that we've had on the show to really help you with the specific tools, exercises needed to create the lasting and positive improvements rather than just listening to the show and not really implementing them. This is a great way to have some accountability in a structured format to put the tools that we talk about on the show into practice. You can do this in 90 days, you can do it from home, and it is self-paced. So it is perfect for turning up the heat in your relationship, having some fun together, and really revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And like Chase mentioned before, we've worked with 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. And just some of those strategies are how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper, more intimate bond and strengthen your couple microculture and future together. So for our listeners only, we are offering a special promo for the course. You can find it at sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock, and you can access a special pricing just for you guys. So again, check out sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock for your special promo. Check it out. Don't waste <laughs> any more time. Do, Do it. it. <laughs> 
Um, sure. I mean, I think in in general, I I would love for people to realize that there's no way. I mean, for one person to meet all of your needs, all of your emotional needs, I think it's a myth to think that um, that that's going to happen. Um, I think people can certainly make us extremely unhappy, you know, depending on what's happening. Um, you know, I know that there's some circumstances where somebody just is um, very shut down and uh, very disconnected, or they could even be uh, emotionally abusive and God forbid, physically abusive. So there's situations where yes, one person could definitely just wreak havoc on a relationship. But um, in general, I think people need to ask themselves, are they putting too much of a burden on this one person for their happiness? And they're not finding it in in a lot of ways. I mean, because we know there's multiple ways that you know, people can, that make people happy. Um, and something that I, you know, talk to people you know, a lot about is, um, which I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you, you both experience this and I know, you know, that, that I, that I experience this is that, um, you know, I think it, if you've got to have like these open conversations, um, about it and, and also, you know, just remember, you know, what, what was it like even before that, you know, before that person, you know, I think if you were a happy person, you get into a relationship and then you're profoundly unhappy. That's very different than, you know, some people who are just, they've been unhappy no matter what, and they're unhappy with everything. Um, And so they're not going to be happy with with you either. Uh, But I, but hopefully two people can really effectively communicate and talk about this and also get deeper under the surface as to what may be causing that unhappiness. It may not even be the other person Uh, and also determining what's, what's changeable and what's not changeable. Uh, We know certain personality traits may not be so changeable, uh, but there's certain things that are, are changeable and negotiable in, in a relationship. And can you, can you be flexible with that? And the more flexible, people are around this, um, usually those are the, those are the couples that tend to thrive uh, when they can do that. It's a great and liberating realization if you can get to a place where you realize your partner does not have to and will not meet every single one of your needs, and nor should you expect that because that is just an alternative universe. Like, we are complicated people, so they might make the big check boxes and hopefully because like we talk about the value systems you have and obviously you are with them for a reason but if you try to make it everything you will drive yourself crazy and then that exercise of communicating with your partner Sarah and I have made a list I, what what do we call the list the relationship uh like our our relationship goal uh, not goals no, but um it's uh, on the refrigerator. We should yeah. not be blanking on this. <laughs> yeah. But but basically like are the things that we need f- or want from each other and in the relationship, like what makes us happy in the relationship and Sarah Sarah just went and looked at it. Relationship vision and and we've talked about it on the show and I think it's even part of our online course. Yeah, yeah, our online course. And and mm-hmm. but that's so valuable because it's like communicating about it makes me look at what my needs are 
and personally, and then my needs from the relationship. And then we talk about each of our, our needs and then how we want to see them play in the relationship. Like there's things on there like Sarah wants a, a two bedroom house. Like that's at minimum. <laughs> yeah. Like our apartment at minimum. Like that was one of the needs. So it's seemingly simple, like something like that, but it's like that's important to Sarah's happiness because it makes it so that our daughter's not sleeping in the bed with us and, and gives us some breathing space, gives her and I time. But there's like 30 things on this list and it's important to have the list, but just the exercise of talking about those things was and is super valuable. Right. Oh, I think that's great what you guys did. Uh, also, the idea, though, that you can come together as a team to to uh, make those things happen. And what's important to you is important to her. What's important to her is important to you and that sort of thing. Um, and also that, you know, something may not be as important, like maybe, maybe Sarah's number five is your number 10 or something, but, but it's important to you because it's important to your, to your partner. Um, but I would love for you to look at the list and determine the things, because if we're talking also about, uh, the real deep needs that we bring into the relationship on a much deeper level, it's, it's usually about what we call attachment related needs. So there's certain things on your list that make you feel loved, make you feel worthy, make you feel important, valued in the relationship. So if you can tie some of the things on the list to, you know, how you feel as a person in the relationship, then you're really getting deep into the core of your needs. (laughs) So because that's often what fuels even distress in a relationship. Uh, it's because, you know, someone might say, um, you know, something like, like it made, it made me angry that you said that remark, whereas someone else might laugh and think it's funny and not care so much. But to you, it went to your sense of worthiness or, um, or if you, uh, are, let's say you, you're both very, you know, one of you is very independent and likes, uh, doesn't mind spending a lot of time alone and, um, and so to the partner, though, that may say, you know, I wonder if, if you love me because spending time together is what makes me feel important to you. So if underneath the surface of everything, if we feel like somebody really has our back and um, makes us feel good about ourselves and special and valued and, and all of those things, um, those relationships thrive too. So I'm sure you can circle back even some of the things on your list to, you know, how it makes you um, feel like in your partner's eyes. And I think when we went through the exercise, it was with that context, at least trying to look into why we feel the need for these things and what they are fulfilling and in the deeper meaning and it is, it's not easy to do, but it's important to do. And it's been super valuable to just having that exercise. We have it written out, the relationship vision on the refrigerator and uh, occasionally revisit it. It's an important mm-hmm. thing. So going back to it's, it's a broader, more philosophical question, but I, I take it from my mom's 
really gotten into Buddhism and and has given me some books to read. And we've probably all heard this, that desire is suffering. And a lot of the suffering we experience individually and in a relationship is because we want things to be a certain way. We have certain desires, needs, expectations. And so I guess my question is, where do we recognize that these are desires in that ultimately we need to be getting those from ourselves. Like, I don't want Sarah to be responsible for my happiness, but we're here in a relationship so I can communicate ways that we can have a happier relationship, the ways that she can make me feel loved. But at what point do I just go like, hey, I just need to feel the love without that external factor. I know this is, it's getting, a, it's a little bit convoluted. It's a little bit broad, it, but to me, you kind of touched on it. Maybe it's, it's just part of our evolutionary biology. Like we're social creatures. So as much as I feel like I, sh if I'm following Buddhist philosophy, like I need to have those things met from within internally, like I'm not an isolated ape, like I'm a social ape. Right. Sorry, that was really right. long, but am I making sense here? And <laughs> you mean again, sort of about balancing, balancing those those needs that there's things that are that I can do on my own within myself, and there's things that you can do together or with your partner, um, and you know some some maybe a little a little of both. Um, I mean, I think also, you know, there's another um, theory. It's actually called social baseline theory, which is about when when we are trying to regulate even our emotions or even get these needs met, um, we expend much less energy when we when someone else is helping us with that. So when we have another person, um, so so I think I mean you you will have you'll have to see what happens, you know, so if you go to your partner and you're saying, um, you know, here's what's important to me, here's what I need help with, or here's what I really would love for you to do if I feel, you know, sad or, um, or, or something like that. And, and of course, even the positive emotions too, right? We, um, I think it's a much, it's, it's, it's like a much more fulfilling experience when we're even, going through something pleasurable or exciting when we, when our partner's there too, we have someone to share it with. Um, so I, so I think if your partner is, is really willing and it feels good for them too to meet that need, um, uh, or to help you with whatever it is, um, then that's great. I think where, where you might, where people get stuck is when it, it clashes or it, or it doesn't happen or somebody is desperately trying harder um, you know, to meet that need. But I think, you know, part of the way that I um, practice, even when I, when I work with couples or just relationally in any way, is that a lot of times the, the distress or the stuck places are often about feeling a disconnect. So you're not feeling connected and it could easily come up on a particular issue like you're talking about or, or a dream or a goal or, you know, something that you want badly, but maybe, you know, the person you're with isn't so keen on it or doesn't really want it. 
Um, and so those are things that are, you know, we know that relationships are tough to navigate. Uh, and that's a lot when, when those types of things come up. But I think both are important. You know, I think we want to feel like we're um, self-sufficient, um, but, but I think it's balanced with the reaching and the including other people's, other people socially in that process. I think the social baseline theory might be showing itself in practice by me having you talk this out. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to expend less <laughs> right. energy uh-huh. here. But uh, yeah, it is important. And, and that's why I enjoy, we enjoy doing this podcast is, is talking about these ideas and, and getting the information that's been researched. And it's not just theory, all of these things, like it's practice and, and through, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of couples working with therapists and the therapists are doing research and, and it all comes around. And, and this is not incredibly complicated topic we're talking about here today, getting in touch with our emotions, but it doesn't mean that it's easy and, and, and it's often not, but it's super important and it's a great baseline to dealing with all the issues in a relationship. Because if we can't pause and if we can't reflect and get in touch with our emotions, how we feel about things, then we're, we're like a victim of our biology. We're just walking around and we're getting upset with what our partner says and we're having this reaction because it is evolutionary like you you mentioned like we're we're angry for a reason and it used to be because that would protect us and or make us feel afraid and run away from a predator but now we're lucky enough that we don't have to do that and i think that's why it's so hard too like we're in relationship and we have these ingrained responses and and so if we can recognize them and then do the work to 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 understand them, where they come from, communicate them with our partner, we're going to be in happier relationships. Yes. I love that summary. Exactly. Well, I think we solved it all in, all in a 45-minute <laughs> podcast, not even. Well, it's been, it's been great information that will help uh, Sarah and I and hopefully our listeners get in touch with their emotions. So we really appreciate you coming on, Dr. Marnie. Let's finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. Uh, the easiest place is my website, Dr. Marnie Online, D-R-M-A-R-N-I-O-N-L-I-N-E. Excellent. We'll have your link and all the resources for you on our website at idpodcast.com, and our listeners know to go there and check it out, as well as your show notes page. And again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. 
So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week